This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, February 8th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. How and why would the United States ever return to a gold standard? Could the U.S. do it without also convincing other countries to go along? And for those who would just as soon get rid of the Federal Reserve, could the gold standard set the stage for a return to free banking, where money is just another good in the marketplace? Lawrence H. White is author of a new Cato briefing paper, Is the Gold Standard Still the Gold Standard Among Monetary Systems? It was released this morning. You yourself note that one of the most compelling criticisms of the of a return to the gold standard by the United States is that many of the benefits would not be realized if the U.S. moved to it unilaterally. What do you mean by that? Well, one of the virtues of the classical gold standard was that it was an international gold standard, which meant that you could take, as Keynes put it, you could take your coined wealth on your person to a foreign country and they would happily accept it. So you didn't have the problem of floating exchange rates. You didn't have the problem of having to change money at the border. Uh, So having a unified monetary system that covered all the advanced countries was one advantage. And the second advantage was by having so many countries on the gold standard, the demand for gold was mostly a monetary demand or a transactions demand, which made the purchasing power of gold more stable. Today, gold's been demonetized, and we see its price bouncing around dramatically from week to week. That didn't happen when gold was money. And so if just the U.S. went back on the gold standard, I fear that the purchasing power of gold would still be subject to this speculative buffeting. Uh, It would help stabilize the demand for gold if lots of countries adopted it uh, at the same time or together. What would be the impact of an international gold standard on uh, inflation versus deflation and its impact on savers versus spenders? Well, we can look at the historical record of uh, inflation under the gold standard, uh, and we see that the price level wasn't perfectly stable, but it was more stable than it has been since the end of the gold standard, certainly since the end of uh, World War II. Uh, Inflation rates were lower under the gold standard, and they were less variable uh, from decade to decade. A study by a couple of economists at the Federal Reserve Bank of Minnesota, uh, Arthur Rolnick and Warren Weber, took a big sample of countries that had been on gold or silver standards and tried to average the rates of inflation in those uh, periods, in those experiments, and found that it was uh, less than 2%. They they had two different versions of their paper. In an earlier version, they found that it was actually slightly negative, about that prices fell at about half a percent a year on average. In the published version, I guess they had a different sample of countries in it the average inflation rate was 1.75%. Uh, by contrast, fiat money standards in the post-war period have averaged over 9% per year inflation. Now, a lot of that reflects the excesses of the 1970s. Unfortunately, we don't have 9% inflation now, but we do have over 4% inflation in the U.S. as measured by the Consumer Price Index. So more than twice as great as the inflation under the historical gold standard. What about this idea that there would be long-run deflation, though? Uh, Well, there could be. There could be a very mild 
long-run deflation. I, half a percent a year is probably a pretty good estimate of what inflation was over some decades uh, during the gold standard. But why was there deflation? Not because the quantity of money was shrinking. Right? Gold continued to be mined year after year. And in fact, as the purchasing power of gold rises, right, when prices fall, the value of an ounce of gold rises, that actually tends to stimulate more mining and so relieve uh, the downward pressure. But if the economy, uh, what can make prices fall under a gold standard is if the economy is growing rapidly, if the output of real goods and services is growing more rapidly than the output of gold. Right? Then you have each ounce of gold chasing more goods and services. But it's hard to regard that as a bad thing to have the economy output of goods and services growing rapidly. Uh, and so I think we have to distinguish between uh, benign deflation, which is what I would call this kind of experience where the output of goods is growing so rapidly that everything's getting cheaper, uh, distinguish that from a, a harmful deflation. A harmful deflation can be caused if the quantity of money shrinks suddenly and unexpectedly because when prices fall rapidly, it's hard for people to repay their debts. Businesses show accounting losses because their selling prices are below the price they paid for their inputs. Uh, but you don't find that under the gold standard. You found that in the Great Depression, but that was because the gold standard was being short-circuited by uh, central banks. Uh, you don't find that kind of harmful deflation under uh, a gold standard, at least with a sound banking system. The U.S. had trouble with an unsound banking system, but I wouldn't blame that on the gold standard. Countries with sound banking systems under the gold standard did not have periodic banking panics the way the U.S. did. Many libertarians advocate a system of essentially free banking where money is a purely market-driven product. How would a return to the gold standard put uh, us closer to to that? Well, if, if the ideal is uh, to find a way to run the monetary system without a central bank, uh, which seems to me uh, a reasonable idea, <laughs> Uh, a commodity standard, either a gold standard or a silver standard, is a time-tested, practical way of doing that. Uh, even Alan Greenspan, when he was on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, uh, acknowledged in response to uh, Stewart's question that a central bank isn't ne needed when you have a gold standard because the gold standard will regulate the quantity of money. You only need a central bank to try to constrain the quantity of fiat money in a system where there isn't any gold constraint on it, where the central bank is not limited by its obligation to redeem dollars for gold. Under that circumstance, they can print as many dollars as they want. So there has to be something that restrains the number of dollars they uh, print. So uh, having a system without a central bank is easy to do if you have a commodity standard. Commercial banks issue the currency, and each bank makes its own banknotes redeemable for standard commodity money. There's something kind of like that even today. In uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland, commercial banks still issue the common circulating currency. It's denominated in pounds sterling. Uh, it's redeemable for Bank of England notes, so it's not a gold standard. Uh, but it is private banknote issue. And one of the things you observe there 
contrary to what some people expect under this kind of system, is not floating exchange rates among the different banknotes. They all circulate at par, at one-to-one. They're all denominated in the standard monetary unit, and they're all accepted in the standard monetary unit. So that's what I expect would happen under free banking, and that's what did happen historically under free banking. Lawrence White is the F.A. Hayek Professor of Economic History at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. He's also an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. His paper, Is the Gold Standard Still the Gold Standard Among Monetary Systems, was released today. You can get your copy at cato.org.